Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, After Buzzers? It's that time again. We're back for another installment of the the Magician's After Show right here on After Buzz TV. And we've got a lot of tough questions to answer, so stick around. You're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz There we go. Guys, it's that time again. You see, it's Wednesday night. Time is right, right here on the Magicians After Show on AfterBuzz TV. We're tag teaming it tonight. Oh yeah! The panel is halved. It's just the boys. It's a boys' night tonight. Lean and mean. You know, that's how that's how we do it. So yeah, exactly. It might be a leaner show, uh, but it will be no less exciting. We've still got a god of the week coming your way. Uh, We're gonna talk some some lycanthropy, some lupinity, some other multisyllabic L words. If you're nasty, you know. (laughs) That's how we do here. My name is Ty Matthews. Y'all can find me on all forms of social media at Ty Matthews PMA. Joining me on the panel right now, you've seen him on the network talking about Westworld before. You've seen him on this very show since the beginning of season four. You can find him online at Dog Like Nate. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Miller. What up, guys? I live I live for that intro every Get week. It. Now. I look forward to it. <laughs> I got a shout out. You know what? I got I got a shout out Johnny Laquasto for for uh, that's that's why I do that. I started. Uh, just a little bit of backstory. This is a little bit of a tangent since we got a, a, a lean team tonight. Uh, I'm a professional wrestler. That's how I got involved in all of this. Oh. Is getting brought on the the Monday Night Raw after show as sort of a guest analyst by Johnny Laquasto, and Johnny Laquasto would give us these huge intros, and it always, you know, it, it, it yeah. heightened the energy oh, yeah. a little bit. I need to. I'm gonna. Now, now that I know that you stole that from somebody else, I feel much more comfortable about stealing that the next oh, time I leave. Please the show. do, please, please, please do. It was yeah. The the crew was me, John Elquasto, Kathy Kelly. Now at WWE, no big deal. Uh, but it was you know it was a, it was a tight little crew. So we like to keep the energy high. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk some. Lycanthropy. We're we're talking about season four, episode four. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. Mary fuck kill. That's what we're talking about. It's a tough question that needs answering. Except Mary's not off. Mary's off the table, it's so, so it's, good. it's a 50-50 shot, really. So with that, let's let's start out with with uh Josh and Margot, their kind of corner of the episode. Now, Josh, when he was talking to his uh his sort of counterpart. Uh, from from the other timeline, he he was informed of something called the quickening that was that was going to happen to him. Right, something that he had to be concerned was going to happen soon. We've got some hints about it too, but we didn't right. know when exactly it was going to happen. Exactly, exactly. And so the 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 Cliff Notes version is that he has got these urges as a a, a sufferer of sexually transmitted lycanthropy. You know, they sometimes you just catch werewolf from someone. Um, He's got these urges that happen every 30 years, 
where he must either uh, kill or fuck, basically, as the episode title suggests, or he will he will be driven mad such that he he might rip his own guts out, right? Kill himself. Yeah. So there's really no no fun options yeah, here. Not really a winning scenario. <laughs> no, in his case. But I I love the the chemistry that Josh and Margo have. What did you think of of their kind of adventure here? It kind of caught me way off guard and mm. like I'm still kind of unsure about how I feel about it. Okay. Um it it seems out of character in my opinion for Margo. Okay. But given the like duress that she's under and like just like she says like she doesn't want to lose another friend and if this is the only way to peacefully resolve this situation then this is what she's going to do. Right. But also like it's it's even even it's crazy how they have created this situation where like the them having sex isn't even like the biggest part of this whole thing. It's that now she has the curse too. Now, granted, thirty years is a long time, right? Exactly. But like, I think that's gonna be you know significant in some way. Sure. So what what about you? Were you surprised? Well, it, I was a little bit, and especially because, um, and I don't try to figure this in too much, but in the the sort of previously on. Uh, you know, selection of clips at the beginning of the episode, we get that clip of Josh saying, you know, I can't believe how you can be such a good friend and such a terrible friend at the same time. Right. When it was in reference to her, um, you know, want, wanting him to the kill Bacchus. Bacchus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I think we get to see more of that dichotomy here, more of the fact that, like, she will do anything for her friends, even if it comes to, you know, making one of her friends kill one of their <laughs> friends. But I also, I really liked how that scene played out in that she, she was able to kind of avoid that trope, like, even directly calling out the, like, oh, like, I'm tired of you guys, like, having to make the sacrifice. And, right. like, no, like, I can, I'm an adult. I can consent. Mm-hmm. This is okay. Uh, and that that was great. Also, at the same time, man, Margo is so hot. Right. And no, her, you're absolutely ooh, right. When she took her underwear off. <laughs> And was just like, fuck me. I was like, what <laughs> show am I? Is this HBO? Sometimes Woo! this show. I, I remember. This, but we haven't had, like, sexy time not in, in a, a while. while. Not in a while. Not in a while. Everything has been so, like, serious <sighs> and heavy. Like, no one's had time. Right. So it kind of just came out of, like, nowhere. Right. Especially with the other stuff. And this like, they timed this episode to come out on Valentine's Day week. Intentionally, for sure, because there is a lot of uh, touchy feely going on. Sure, sure. I know. I was what I was thinking. It's not since like the like straight up. I mean, we've seen straight up orgies in the show before. You know, with people just off in random corners doing God knows what. But it has been a minute. You know, we got so wrapped up in the quest for the keys that we didn't see a lot of this. Um, before we let's let's jump back a little bit. Let's jump back before we get to 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 the sacrifice that that Margot made. Let's talk about um, Josh kind of informing the uh, that that person that had a history with Isaac. Like that's that's an awkward that's a, that's an I awkward was, visit just in general. But let alone when you're talking about werewolves. I stuff. was so glad that they did that because I legitimately in in my head I was like. Well, what about when he was not him? Could mm-hmm. he have transferred the disease? Because we know that he had sex. Because he talks about, you know, how big his right. uh, penis was. <laughs> right. um, so to see them like cover that plot hole and explain that was great. Also, just the way that that scene played out, right. like, was it, it's like they have a great way of like having a really dark, serious tone, but still 
having comedic effect that doesn't feel too like uh, gimmicky or anything. Exactly, like, it's it's not like slapsticky or anything. Right, exactly. We we get this phrase, and I'm glad you mentioned that. We get this phrase that keeps occurring throughout the episode: "Jesus tits" as an exclamation. We hear it first when uh, I, it's in that dream sequence when Josh bakes those muffins. But then also when he sees just the carnage that happened in this poor girl's bedroom. The muffins wasn't a wasn't a dream. Wasn't it? No. Or, the muffins or, wasn't a dream. The the the, the hooking up with, the with hooking Margo. Up with Margo part was okay, I yeah. see I wasn't sure where that dream kind of right, quote unquote started. began. I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be kind of uh, Okay, so the muffins were real. The muffins were real. Okay. I know we only know that because Penny's there and then in, in one of those same shots you see uh, Darth Elliot as he's now called. Sure. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Too. Okay. Um, and so, so yeah, so we, we get these kind of recurring themes where it's like that exclamation of Jesus tits. Um, and, and yeah, seeing, seeing all of the blood and gore in her bedroom when right. she went through those urges. Yeah. It, it also just was really good to show again, like the severity of the situation and how serious it is. Like it, it even though like, yeah, it's kind of light, like, oh, if you have sex with someone, you'll be fine. But also the on the other side, you could kill somebody too, and like not even just like kill them, like dismember them, and right. like, in a really savage way. Well, and I think to that point, I feel like that's kind of that was sort of our introduction to this whole kind of thing. This whole like, oh yeah, I'm a werewolf because I had sex with someone. Like that when we were first introduced to that, I feel like it was such kind of a throwaway sort right. of like joke line right. that now that we're dealing with the actual real consequences, consequences of yeah. it, yeah, it kind of, it makes it a little bit realer, you know? Yeah, and and again, I love the, you know, this is again great writing, the quickening is something that they planned to see a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Also, Penny, knowing from the other timeline about the quickening and him killing Julia is like... Yo, what's oh, going I didn't even on? Think you about better that. figure this out. Like yeah. in the way that they played that out to have them kind of go off on their own journey. Like again, just great writing. Exactly. Like, um, let's talk a little bit about the that sort of quest that Josh and Margot go go on off into the woods to find uh, a Komodo dragon. Well, they go to they go to Kanye's to house. Kanye's first. house. <laughs> That was great. Of course he's is going to have one. Oh, yeah. He just keeps it. He just keeps it in the house. And they know where he lives. Yep. And, and apparently meet Kanye as well. Yep. Yep. I yeah, love I love Margot's great. line where she said, I thought it was, what was it? I thought it was going to be a lot more messed up yeah. the way I meet Kanye. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting. Again, like, I like that they kind of, it, it was a good lead up to, like, obviously what happened later on in the episode with mm. them. And we don't really get to see the two of them together very often. And, like... She is such a strong character, and he is usually, like, the comedic relief so often that they just make a really odd pairing. Sure. Um, But you also got to see, you know, and maybe this should justify, you know, to me, her character decisions later on. Mm. But you really get to see that she she does care about her friends, and Josh is one of her friends. Mm. And especially because of the place she's in, she's willing to do whatever it takes down to, like... Stealing an iguana and cutting its heart out, doing its whole ritual, <laughs> right, all the way to the extremity of all right, let's have sex, like so. yeah, and and I um w- another thing that was kind of you know it was it was played for a joke, but also was you know served as kind of a temporary fix was um, his kind of temporary way of satiating those urges yeah. by turning a tree into a werewolf in so many <laughs> words. Ouch. <laughs> right? Ouch. <laughs> um, 
but but yeah, and so we and then we get that that kind of final conversation between them where he is willing to basically kill himself yeah. just so that it means not only not killing anyone but not raping anyone yeah. either. Well, yeah, and not and and that's the other thing too is even if he were to find someone to have consensual sex with, th- th- he would be passing on the curse, and that's what really makes it like a really damned if you do situation because even the best case scenario still turns out bad for that person. Right. So just a great, uh, I've never, I mean, I read a lot of fantasy stuff, a lot of werewolf stuff. Uh, Dresden Files is one of my favorite series and they talk all about different types and there's different, some are curses and some are shapeshifters. And so to, to hear a different, you know, telling of the curse in this unique way, uh, I think is really interesting. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice way to round out this whole kind of werewolf is a STD joke that they planted a long time ago that's actually coming to fruition in a big plot way. Sure. And I think, yeah, for, for a show that's called The Magicians, we're seeing so many other kind of, like, magic-adjacent creatures. Right, other you fantasy know? things. We've, we've seen fairies and ghosts and, and gods and, and Santa Claus <laughs> and, and werewolves. And it's the world is getting so much bigger and... It's they're they're painting this world that doesn't necessarily have boundaries. You know, any character at this point, any creature from any sort of lore can pop up, and it would make sense. It would fit, you know, in the mythology of the show. The next time somebody asks me to describe magicians, I'm going to say Black Santa and <laughs> werewolf STDs. There you go. Exactly. That's all you need go to know. Go watch the show. That's all you need. That's to know. all you need to know. <laughs> Sign up. <laughs> exactly. Now, guys, before we move on to our next topic, we just wanted to say thank you once again for making us the ESPN of TV talk. But for us to continue to grow, we could use your help. Now, if you're on YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, you know what it is. Give us a five-star rating if you're nasty, you know. But no matter where you are, leave us a comment so you can get involved in the conversation. We love talking about magicians. We know y'all do. Let's all be a part of of the conversation. Being a part of Afterbus has meant so much to us on this panel, and we truly appreciate you supporting us and doing what we love. Don't forget to tell your friends. Like we said, Black Santa, Werewolf STD, tell all your friends. They're not going to be able to resist that. And keep enjoying our shows. Now, we talked about, you know, werewolves. Let's talk about monsters. Let's talk about, about Quentin and Elliot and kind of this this weird side of this monster version of Elliot that's like he has his own means obviously he has his own intentions but in this way he's kind of helping Quentin cope with the death of his father yeah yeah i really like that i mean i i have like a weird fascination with villain characters especially mm-hmm. like actually well written ones ones that are just like her i'm bad exactly um and he kind of started out that way um but it seems like from a plot there's like there's a plot perspective of that right like he lost himself and he's trying to recover that and he has been trapped and done all these terrible things and stuff um so to see you know Darth Elliot the monster whatever kind of rationalize and try to empathize and try to think about it was very interesting yeah um i think that there's a lot more to him than we have seen already because I mean, even just like the, Josh says in the beginning of the episode, like he was surprised that he brought him back from Fillory, right? Like, why, really? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Um, it's it's really interesting, but I I am really enjoying 
his performance is spectacular. One hundred percent. It's like a completely different person. Since, since the beginning of this show, I feel like we've seen kind of a different facet of Hale Appleman with each progressive season. And I think, yeah, you're right. Playing this this weird monster is is so fascinating. Yeah. It's so fun to watch. It's incredible. Um, and and yeah, it's yeah. He's got this sort of almost like bulletproof reasoning that that Q kind of can't really argue with, you know? Like, he's like, look, if your mom already thinks you break everything, why not just do it, you know? How did you... So where did where did you land on this? It's... It's so interesting to me because it's, it's like I said, he's doing this all for his own gain. He even says it outright, you know? Like, I need you to help me hunt the rest of the gods. Right, so I need you to be better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's so interesting to me. What I didn't think about until literally just now is that, and this is just, I, I don't know if this is the case or not, but do you think that this has anything to do with what he took back from Bacchus? Maybe. Mm. Um, I think it's more, the parallels that I saw were that, I, I feel like the implication is that he, you know, in in the same way that Quentin breaks stuff, the monster guy has bro- broke stuff too, and right. that's why he was put in the situation he was, because uh. they're like, you broke too much stuff. Sure. Whatever that means. In, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> So I think somehow in that way, excuse me, uh, he relates to Quentin. Sure. Um, my my thing with this scene, um, I don't know. I just didn't really get it. I, no. The plane thing, it didn't it didn't have enough sentimental uh. to me. I don't know if I just don't understand Quentin as a character, but sure. I, the decision for him to just break the planes, it it didn't seem like he had to try very hard. He was just like. Okay, sure. I'll right. break all these planes that my dad that died and I missed his funeral, which I'm obviously messed up about. Right. And now I'm going to break all of the planes that he had. Like, I don't know. It just I don't know. And I don't know what the what the what is the point there? Mm. Like I he's embracing that he breaks stuff and that's going to make him feel better. It like seems I, like yeah, there's so much more that he would have to do. Yeah, it just I don't know. That that part seemed weird. I could to see me. that. I could see that. What I think what I think jumped out as weird to me is is kind of how cruel his mom was being throughout the yeah. whole process. I think that explains a lot about Quentin's character, though. Sure, too, that sure. Relationship. Yeah, and I think, and that probably also speaks to to how she's you know either coping with it or kind of failing to cope with it. Right. Um, but but let's talk a little bit about about this monster straight up saying that Elliot's dead. And then us seeing kind of what really is the case. What do you think is happening here? I have no fucking idea right? what that was <laughs> when he panned out. So, I mean, there's two things at play here. He could really be dead. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I mean, this with this show, you never know. He could be in like an afterlife scenario or exactly. something. Or the death monster's is, death lying. Death is rarely the end in this show. The monster's lying. Uh-huh. And he's and you know he knows that he's in there somewhere or mm-hmm. whatever. Or he put him somewhere else while he's in his body or something like that. Sure. Um, my question is, what is the motive for him to tell him that? And I know that he says, well, if, you know, I'd rather you know now so that you can, like, get over it. Sure. But... Like, the whole reason why they haven't tried to, like, really do anything to him is because they're concerned about harming if Elliot Elliot's or his in body. There. That's true. So if you just tell him he's dead, like, I would just be like, all right, cool. Now I can just blow a hole in you, and I already know that my friend is gone. Right. I don't have to worry about, you know, you know what I mean? Sure, sure, so, sure, sure. At the same time, that also ups the stakes, considering we know that somewhere out there, Elliot is there. So we don't, we want his body to stay intact. Right. Now. And I think, I think where. 
where I saw that coming from and where I saw his motivations kind of lie is that if he tells them that, that Elliot is gone and that there's basically no hope, I think he's banking on that fear of, like, if we shoot him, he's just going to jump to another body. Right. So we might as well just Futile. kind of go along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah just I kind of help him with whatever, you know, wh- what, whichever god he's going after next. Right. Which that's another question is is – who's his next target? You right. know, have we gotten any sort of indication of that? I don't that? think he's said anything yet. Mm. I think they're just kind of taking a break because of Quentin's dad. Sure. But I don't, I mean, unless I missed the clue. Right, because I'm trying to think of, of who else who else there is and what other gods he could, um, I guess, have access to. Yeah, I mean, what other gods are on the show that we've met that, I mean, I feel like it's just Bacchus and Ember and Umber. Yeah. Is Umber still alive? No, uh-uh. No, yeah, he both gone. Ember and Umber yeah. died, I think, yeah. in the same episode. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> I'm not sure. I, I feel. I feel like uh, we've almost well, certainly met more. There's uh, the one that made Julia a god, right? And then, oh, sure. Um, Reynard. He's still out there, right? That's and true. He still has the seed, I think, or something, or maybe no. I don't think he doesn't. He because yeah, I but don't he think... still might have something. He might have. He, en- he might be enough. god enough to die. Right. That's true. I mean, he's out there, so he's probably gonna die. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. He has has it coming too, for sure. <laughs> exactly. So, like, exactly. I don't think anybody's gonna cry over that one. Um, but I yeah. So we're seeing more of these human parts of of this version of Elliot, and just like. The fact that he's just eating with Quentin at a diner and mm-hmm. he's becoming less and less of this entity and more of, of almost a character is so weird. Yeah, we're starting to like speak in thoughts now. Right, exactly. Just, like violent That's ideas. And that's, that's a, a great <laughs> observation is that, you know, before, yeah, I feel like he was speaking more in kind of broken fragments and, yeah, more in actions and stuff like that. Now it's it's... We're getting more nuance and more, right. more of that personality showing through. Um, we'll talk more about it when we get to predictions, but I'm very interested in, like, where where Elliot is existing right now. Agreed. Um, now let's let's talk about about Alice and the person that 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 abducted her, that grabbed her, who ends up being Christopher Plover. Very interesting. I was not expecting that no, at all. Never, never would have guessed that. No, uh-uh. but I think. The parallels here, and the the parallels that I saw with with Alice and Plover versus Quentin and Elliot, is that we're getting more sympathy for these monsters. You know, somehow, uh, like somehow, the show has has managed to take Plover, who they one hundred percent confirmed was a child molester. Yes, and they managed to create a little bit of sympathy, I think, for him in this episode. I didn't have any a little bit, a little bit. At least, maybe maybe sympathy's not the right word. Maybe sympathy's not the right word. I did not sympathize with him, but it's... Morally gray, is sure. what I would say. There you go. Yes. There I you feel go. like there that's been... That is the theme for this season, because every episode that's been kind of, like, reinforced, sure. isn't that, like, sometimes you do bad to do good kind of a thing? Right. Like, and, again, he... I mean, too, he did say that, like, I did... Just I was punished for my crimes. I did, you know, I, I did suffer and stuff. But right. also the fact that he's hiding now and, and not suffering. And that, that speaks to a whole bigger conversation, which we absolutely don't have time to get into yeah. on what rehabilitation is. And right. if, if someone that does those kinds of things can be rehabilitated. Right. And if if they aren't acting on those urges, you know, if, if that is, is worth anything. So my question for you uh. is, do you think 
Oh, no, she did agree to help him. I forgot she says that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, so to his, to whatever credit is worth, he helps her with no indication that she's going to return the favor. Right. He's, he says as much. He's basically, he's looking for a world to kind of go to where he can do no harm, you know, where he can just kind of exist and just do his own thing. Is that what he was looking for? That's, that's why he was looking for the world book? Yeah, that's... Someplace that's, to go? Is, okay. Exactly, exactly. Somewhere, he said somewhere that, that he can do no harm, basically. Ostensibly, I guess, where there's a is world... A place with no kids? With no kids, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's real weird. It's real, real oh, weird. Man. I... <laughs> for, and what's funny is, like, when this whole thing happened, I was like, all right, the Alice plotline is getting interesting. And mm. then now I'm like... <laughs> I just wanted to get out of there and like just do some stuff. Yeah, I'm ready to see Allison somewhere that's not in the library. Yeah, like, come on, because she's been so she's so yeah. Alice is searching for the revision room because she finds out that the librarians are are going to write the endings of of all their books. I mean, he has a pretty smart plan because, uh, of course, if you take the books, they're going to know that they're gone and they're right. going to look for them. But it's much smarter to throw them off your track to, to send them in the wrong direction. Yeah, ex- exactly. He's got this spell that kind of like you give it a premise and ju- it just sort of automatically writes. Yeah, I wish I had that for school. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, real, yeah, come in real, real, real handy with those tight deadlines. Uh, she even says like that explains Netflix. You yeah, know? that was uh, a... <laughs> Get those quips in there, writers. Yep, I see you. I see you. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so he's, he's kind of, yeah, he's looking for, for, for somewhere to hide out. She's looking for the revision room. Uh, but in the process, she finds Quentin's book and she sees that not only does it end with him dying, it ends with him dying next week. I didn't see that. No, did you not? I must have missed that somehow. (laughs) So near, near the, near the end of the, uh, of the episode, she finds Quentin's book and, and she says, oh my God, it's, you know, it, it ends with, with him dying. And Plover says, doesn't, isn't that how every book ends? And she goes, no, he, his book, he's, he dies next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how did I watch this episode (laughs) multiple times and I completely missed that scene? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm interested to see what that means. Uh, if if that means that it's going to be at the hands of the Elliot monster or or who knows. Also, like, what does death even mean in this show? And that's like, kind of the thing is that, yeah, death is rarely the end in in this show with all the different planes of existence and the underworld and yeah, the library. Yeah, maybe, maybe and, that's how he reconnects up with Kent, with uh, Penny. and then they, Oh, yeah, sure. And they break out of the underworld. Together. That's absolutely, absolutely. We could use a good a good escape. I, I guess we already got one with, <laughs> with Santa and, and Alice, but, hell, we could use another one. Who knows? <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, right? I would watch yeah. that. Too. Especially a nice little montage. Or I, I love, and like, ever since the beginning of the show, Quentin and Penny, their relationship has been one of my yes. favorites ever since. Yeah, the quips, they're, they're just such like polar opposite personalities. Exactly. And, Penny hates yeah. him so much. Yeah, I love watching them together. <laughs> um, so speaking of Penny, let's talk about about him and Julia and and their kind of, their, their um, quest to fillery and kind of... Their their encounters with with Shoshana of, Can I touch of your the boobs? main ads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very. Yeah, a very kind of um, a charmingly awkward, yeah. uh, intimate series of moments between Penny and Julia. Yeah. But what did you think about about their kind of whole quest in this episode? Um, I love them 
finding the main ad about to hang herself and the like Poor Shoshana. I love the we should drink, right? <laughs> Box wanted to drink, she's like, Yeah, a lot. <laughs> it was so good. She was so good. Um but yeah, it was just really interesting. It was nice to get, you know, I'm glad we got this is the Julia that I was hoping for that we didn't get last episode. Sure. So it's nice to see some more of her and what's going on with her. Yeah. Um the whole God thing is like super interesting mm-hmm. to me. Uh so any type of like investigation to that I'm super down for. Um but I I liked I just liked how natural it kind of felt with her and Penny. Like it doesn't seem like they've been forcing it, even though they did, you know, they did mention it before about sure. other alternate uh Penny and his Julia and stuff like that. Um but the way that he's, she's like describing, like you need somebody that like worships you. Penny yeah, like rolls his eyes. And like all right, I'll do it. Like I get it. Someone that exactly. So Shoshana can't do it because she doesn't believe in Julia as a deity. At least not yet. She needs someone that believes in her, that worships her, and like obviously, yeah. Of she even says like, does anyone come to mind? And like you can almost feel everyone just look in Penny's direction. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, what what I think is interesting is kind of what's at the heart of this quest, and it's that Julia's sort of looking for a, a diagnosis, so to speak, um, you know, to find out why she can't do magic. And what's really interesting, what I want to get your thoughts on, is the difference between magic and power, and the fact that that really hasn't been delineated before this episode. That's true. She did. She makes a point to say that there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Knowing this show, they probably have, like, a quantifiable explanation for what that means. Where, like, yeah, like, X amount of magic is equal to some sort of power. if I had to guess, like, I mean, I would assume that it's, I don't know, maybe power is, like, if it's, like, electrical systems, right, power is probably, like, power. Like, sunlight or, like, you know, where you draw the energy from. And then the magic itself is, like, when when you plug into the wall, into the power. You know what I mean? I can see that, yeah. So the magic is flowing... The power's flowing into the magic, and then f- through that, the magic goes out, and then they spread it out with the library. So I sure. think the idea is that she has the ability to create magic, maybe? I can see she that. She just doesn't know how to yet. Exactly. She doesn't believe, or doesn't she knows she just forgot, or something like right. that. Right. Um, so is the whole, the whole process that she and Penny goes through, where she strips naked, Penny anoints her with all these oils... I also just want to say really quick, yes. I love the height difference between them because right. when you see her with, like, Q, he's, like, 5'6", and sure. she's, like, 5'1", so it's not... And, you know, she wears, she wears heels, heels mm-hmm. or something. Penny's 6'1". Right. She's 5'1", especially when she's naked, so she's not wearing heels. Right. Like It's, like, ugh. He's, <laughs> uh, like, towering over her. Exactly. And Penny, I love this version of Penny. I feel like our Penny from, from kind of, I guess, the quote-unquote prime timeline, he wouldn't be this sort of vulnerable, no, you know? No. Yeah, you can. And there's yeah, and that's an, I mean another testament to the acting. Like you can, it's so weird. Like he's playing the same character, but not exactly the yeah. same. Like it's really you really can tell. Talent. That's yeah. such a funny way to put it. Yeah, you because can... you're right. Because our Penny would be like he would just be giggling like the whole time. Like yeah. there's no way that he would be able to. Exactly. Also, he's not. He doesn't love Julia too. So I guess right. that, that would be a big difference. Also. Yeah. Well, I guess if it was him and Katie. Yeah. If if, if the roles. But were, even yeah. then, I feel like he he would it would be harder for him to be more vulnerable, like you said, because his relationship with Katie isn't that way. Obviously, she's very different. Right, exactly, yeah. And so what I'm wondering is, was this whole process basically just to prove to Shoshana that that Julia is is a god? Is, was that kind of the main... I think so. Right? Okay, yeah. I think yeah. so. And I think somewhere along the way, it, it... I mean, probably when she took her clothes off, it kind of like... Sure. It, it 
became something a little bit more. Right. Uh, apparently, it, it worked because mm. Shoshana was like, "Yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm your main ad now." It's someone, yeah. It's something that she's never seen before. So, so yeah. So they've got kind of a new follower, a new main ad in 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 Shoshana. Um, so yeah, it's it's really really interesting stuff. We'll we'll see kind of where where that goes, um, where where the lycanthropy goes, where Plover goes. There's a whole lot of moving parts to track as the season goes on. Um, now that we're we're done talking about the the episode proper, let's get into our God of the Week. There we oh, go. Yeah, love it. Um, so our God of the Week is actually going to be. Uh, ooh, ooh, a lot of lot Just of werewolves out there. Just keep it going. Be careful. Uh, we're going to do our mythology of the week since there was no god in this episode. Oh, there you go. So we're going to talk about lycanthropy. Look at those cheekbones. You, YouTube, uh, our YouTube viewers, you're you're going to see the the visual parts of this segment right yes. now. But man, so, look at those cheekbones right here on the screen. What you're seeing this is Petronius. He was a Roman quarter uh, to Nero who was first believed to mention human sacrifice by Lycoen, which is a type of wolf, uh, as the first reference to a werewolf in his novel, Satyricon. Satyricon. Oh, okay. Okay. I know what that means. I've heard that before. I think that's a band. Um, this next picture, uh, we have uh, werewolf folklore can be found among a variety of cultures, uh, each having their own take, but the modern anthropomorphic... Anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's. No, you got it. I spell that. Anthropomorphic. Anthro- an- <laughs> you know what I mean. You got it. Uh, the modern werewolf we know today comes from a 1935 film, Werewolf in London. Oh, interesting. Uh, a 1981 remake was made by John Landis, giving us the painful transformation we see in television and film today, such as The Vampire Dies and the sci fi original Being Human, a remake as well. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Josh Maker. Josh's, Josh's Maker was portrayed by actress and uh, comedian Arden Mirren. She's also known for Mad TV, Insatiable, and Bachelorette. Wonderful performance this episode. Mm-hmm. Her absolutely the, the Tinder subject, suggestion was uh, <laughs> was hilarious. Um, yeah, so that's what we have. Thank you for the lovely Adrian Snow for finding that lovely research. For absolutely. Us oh, there's werewolves. there's some more from uh, from Being Human, I believe. Oh, there we oh, go. Yeah, look at that's a that's a nasty. That's really not pretty. Look at those choppers. That's not a Twilight werewolf, that's Look. for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my big question with werewolves is, is this the only type of werewolf in the magician's universe? Is it only the quickening, only every 30 years is an issue? Other than that, it's, oh, it's never a problem? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder. I'm not sure. I Yeah, we'll... We'll have to do do a little bit more digging. Uh, if you guys know, if you guys know of any corner of the werewolf magicians universe that that we missed, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on on Instagram, all that stuff. Yes, and shout out to everybody in the YouTube comments. I do read them. Yes, they had some great theories. Appreciate the conversation. Keep it up. Get it. Let's all all be a part of the conversation. Y'all know what it is. Uh, we t- we talked about about the episode. We talked about God of the Week. Let's get into some predictions. <laughs> Now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. God, I love that. Every time, never gets old. Been hosting here for five years, never gets old. Uh, so I guess the, the thing that's that's kind of hottest on my mind is 
what is up with Elliot? Where where is Elliot? Let's let's just go with that question. Uh, I have no idea. Uh-huh. So it looked to me like when they panned out that it was like drawing. That's exactly what I thought. I didn't catch that until the second time, but that's what I thought so, too. So like, yeah. I'm thinking he's in somebody's imagination. Right, right. He's in his own head, maybe mm. still. I don't know what's going on. Sure, I think you're right. I think to jump off of that, I what I. I'm guessing is happening is that this is obviously the imagination of the monster because we've seen that the monster is like essentially childlike at heart Mm -hmm. as murderous as of a child as that might be Mm -hmm. so what I'm guessing is that this is his sort of like this is his imagination and this is kind of his sort of like um, play I guess and he's got Elliot trapped in there but I feel like the closer that he gets with Quentin, the more chances that real Elliot is going to have to sort of, like, give him clues that he's still in there. Mm. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think you might you might be onto uh-huh. something in that way. Um, I don't know. I agree with you. My prediction is I think that this whole quickening thing with Margot is going to be important to this whole the thing with the fish guy in the box and like her and her oh, destiny and all those things. Guy, yeah. I think that it's more it's gonna be more than just like, oh yeah, I saved Josh and also sure. thirty years from now I'm gonna do this again. Like I think it's gonna be significant in some way. Interesting, okay. Um also, we didn't see Katie this whole episode. No, I was thinking about that, so I'm too. So hoping we get a heavy Katie episode, presumably with uh, a really pissed off Marina. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think uh, for some reason I get the feeling that that the real Elliot is going to like somehow – for some reason – what I have in my head is that at some point the monster Elliot is going to slip and call Margot Bambi, and there and that's how they're going to the that's how they're going to know like something in there. The real Elliot's still in there, you know. Some for some reason that's kind of that's what I can see unfolding. How how I can see that kind of playing out. Who knows? If y'all got predictions, make sure hit us up on Twitter, uh, hit us up on on Instagram, on YouTube, any anything text based. Uh, hell, if you want to send us a video, who who knows? <laughs> it's it's twenty nineteen. Technology can do that. Uh, Hit us up with those predictions. Let's all talk about what's happening for the rest of Season 4. But that's our episode, y'all. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Remember, if you're on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment. If you're on iTunes, download, comment, review, subscribe, rate, five stars, you're for nasty. Uh, Nate Miller, where can they find you? Guys, you can find me everywhere at Dog Like Nate. There you go. Uh, guys, you can find me on all forms of social media at Ty Matthews PMA. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Uh, I'm on the Titan Games After Show on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Pacific time. With not, I mean, the panel's not with The Rock. The Titan Games is with The Rock. Uh, so if you want to see us talk about The Rock, join us. We've only got like three episodes left. Uh, you can find me on Saturday's Championship Wrestling from Hollywood if, if you like wrestling, uh, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, we'll be right back here, same time, same channel, with a full panel talking episode five of season four of The Magicians. But until then, peace. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 